Hello and welcome to the Building Christian Fellowship Podcast. We are very excited that you have decided to tune in today and pray you are blessed by today's message. God set it up and God set it up for you to be here today. And there's some of you that are in here that brought some family and some loved ones in here today and you're really excited that they came to church, but I'm going to ask you to do something as the word goes forth today. You know, just as you're listening, there's times that you can just communicate with the Lord in, in your spirit. I need you to be praying for those people this morning because this is just not an opportunity for you to come to Easter service and dress nice. This is an opportunity for our lives to change forever today. Now, I'm going to, I am definitely, I'm not one of those pastors because there's new people in here, and I'm not one of those pastors that just want to tickle your fancy just to try to get you to come back to church. I'm not going to do that today. Amen. I want to tell you the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth. So help me God. But I want you to leave out of here empowered by the Spirit of God that you can live a, lo- a, a life worth God himself. Amen. Now, you guys know that this is the day that marked that Jesus Christ rose from a borrowed tomb and that tomb he borrowed from Joseph of Arimathea. Now, as a side note, I just want to let you guys know something. If Jesus didn't raise from the dead, he would be a thief and a lie. If he didn't raise from the dead, he'd be a thief and a lie. See, Joseph of Arimathea let him borrow his tomb. Now, I don't know if you guys know this or not. Do you know what, if you borrow something from somebody and never give it, give it back, you just stole it? Do I need to say it again? If you borrow something from somebody and don't give it back, you keep it, it's not an accident. You didn't forget. You stole it. Jesus Christ borrowed a tomb. You know why? Joseph of Arimathea, it was his tomb. You know why he, let, he lent it to Jesus? Because he knew he was going to get it back. (laughs) He knew it. He's like, yeah, you can use it, Jesus. I know I'm going to get it back. (laughs) See, the Bible tells us that Jesus is not a man that he should lie, nor the son of man that he should repent. In John 2 and 19, Jesus said, if you destroy this temple, I will raise it up in three days. He said, if you destroy this temple, I'm going to raise it up in three days. Joseph of Arimathea knew that. He said, oh, okay. I understand that you aren't talking about the temple, this building that is made by man's hands. You're talking about the building, not made by God's hand. I mean, by man's hands. Not a building made of stucco, cinder block, and drywall, but you're talking about a building, God, that you formed so intricately that if man destroys that temple, that building, that you'll raise it up in three days. And Joseph Arimathea was like, hey, man, you can use it all you want. So we know that Jesus is telling the truth. We also know this, that there's many false religions that have mocked our belief. And wars have broken out because of this truth about our Jesus Christ. Well, here goes some truths for you this morning, okay? These are just truths. Muhammad didn't get up. Confucius didn't get up. Buddha didn't get up. Joseph Smith is dead. Jim Jones is dead. David Koresh is dead. But Jesus Christ is alive. I'm not fine. If you want to look at, okay, some people say, well, he was just a man. He rose from the dead. None of these other gods or men had did that. They're still in the grave. And this brings us to our scripture focus for today. 
Now, I want to tie these two scriptures together to encourage you today. And hopefully, as our time together, we're going to leave out of here blessed and ready to serve the Lord. Amen. Read it earlier. John 2, 19. And it reads, Jesus answered and said to them, destroy this temple, and in three days I will raise it up. Now turn over to 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 9. And it reads, we are both God's workers, and you are God's field. You are God's building. Now, first of all, I want you guys to notice, if you haven't already, sitting to the left and to the right of you today, there's some odd-looking people. Come on. Don't look, don't look at them right now. And I know this is just nature that sometimes we look at people and we wonder about the story of their lives because of the way that they look. Can I get an amen? You know, if you see people walking and, and they're dressed kind of crazy and they're outside and they don't look like they smell right, first of all, it's the first judgment because the way they're dressed, you're like, they probably stink. Then the next thing you know, you think they're homeless. You're like, hey, how you doing? They're like, oh, man, I'm just out here. And they really out here. No. But you see them, and you judge people by the way they look. You could tell a lot about a person by the way that they look. Now, people say, don't judge a book by a cover, but you really can tell a lot about a person. So I want you to do this. Do me a big favor. Look to the person to the left of you. Look at them and say, you're a mess. Look to the person to the other side of you. Look at the other side of him. Look at him and say, you a mess. Okay, now, now, now watch this. Watch this. Watch this. Look up. Look up and say, God, I'm a mess. There you go. <laughs> see, now I'm not going to offer any apologies for the mess that you see here in the building today. You ask me why? That's a really good question. I'm going to give you the answer. Because the mess that you see here is a result of progress. This mess you see here is because of change. The mess you see here is because we're all still under construction. Oh, maybe some, I got some, do I have any carpenters in the house or anything? We're going to understand because, listen, there's two types of mess that you can find yourself in. You guys ready for this? The first mess that you can find yourself in is because you try to do things yourself. You guys know there's, there's times that you try to straighten out your life or build your life up by yourself, and all you did is you got a whole bunch of things together, and you just built a huge mess. Hate those kind of messes. Now, the second kind of mess is the mess that happens when you're tearing down something that you, to rebuild it. So when you build a mess that you did yourself, and you say, you know what, I got to change something, you have to tear down what you built, to build something else. But in the process of tearing down something messed up, you're going to create a mess. Alpha, give me an amen on that one. See, there's a man in here. This job is to create a mess of built things. If you guys don't know, I'm just going to give a little plug out there. Alfie, has his, 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 he, what he does is he does demolition. So what's going to happen with us, we're going to call Alfie and his people are going to come. And you see this church right now. And, and, and it looks good. And the church looks good. But there's better. 
for us. And, and what's going to happen, before we can rebuild this church to be something better, the old has to be torn down. And in the process, process of him tearing this down, there's going to be a mess. Some of us in here today have some bad things that we made a mess of in our lives. Can I get, a, can I get an amen? We built bad mistakes, bad relationships, bad business deals, bad decisions that have left our lives in a mess. And before we can rebuild our lives, we have to demolish this mess that we made of ourselves. But the dichotomy we have is when we tear down a mess that we made, it creates even a bigger mess. So I want to encourage you guys today. You can't have a message without first having a mess. You can't spell the word message without spelling mess first. I'll let that sink in for a second. Because God is trying to build a message of hope in your life, there's going to be a mess first. Oh, 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 oh. See? God wants you to, you, you to have a mess, but he wants your mess to be a message of hope, a message of expectation, a message of restoration, and a message of victory. But it all starts off with a mess. Somebody say, I'm a mess. You are a mess. When something is under construction, there'll be some things out of place. You know, you can walk up on a house being built again, and you're like, this looks, this doesn't even look like a house. But if you walk away for two weeks and you come back, it's a house. But it didn't start off looking like a house. See, some of our lives in here, you, we give our lives to Christ, and we don't look like Christians to begin with. And somebody that's seen you the day that you tell them, hey, man, I gave my life to Christ, they're like, you don't look like a Christian. But then they see you. Four months later, and they're going, man, you're starting to look like a Christian. Because they saw you in the mess of the tearing down of your old self, that they don't believe that God is creating a message of hope and restoration and expectation and victory in your life. But as a result of tearing down your old life, things are going to get messy. And as we look at our scripture in 1 Corinthians 3 and 9, it says we are both God's workers and you are God's field. You are God's building. Now, first, I want you to see it says we are both God's workers. The King James says laborers together. That means that we got to be working on something. God's not going to call you something you're not. When you're not a worker, he called you slothful. He calls you wicked. But when he's talking to his workers, people that are working are building something. So if you're building something, it says that we are workers together. So this tells me that if we are laborers, we all should be working. And as a side note, if you aren't working, then you can't be a laborer. The word labor is an adjective to describe something you are doing, not what you've done. So to be a worker, you have to be working. You can't say that I'm a worker and not be doing work. A worker is working. <laughs> this is deep, isn't it? This is an English lesson. 
See, I remember a time, well, well let me, before I get there, let, let's talk about labor, okay? Let's talk about labor. When a woman is in labor, she's working on something. And because of that labor, there's toiling. Is there any women in here that ever been pregnant? I'm, I'm preaching to you right now, okay? The baby was sitting on places in your stomach. It felt like it was popping out the back of your back. And you, were, you went into labor. You was in all kind of pain. You were sweating. You were yelling. You were in labor. You were travailing. And that's how we knew you were in labor. Because there was something working. But if there's nothing working, there's no pain, there's no movement, then guess what? You're not in labor. Now, I remember back when I was young, and, and some of you guys may remember this, but during the summertime, we used to go out to Green Valley, and we used to go out and pit apricots. Anybody remember that? Okay, you probably not. Yes, yeah, some of us are old enough. What does that mean, pit apricots? They bring out these trays with apricots, and they give you a little knife, and you would go by, and you would cut the apricots, split them open, get the pits, and toss them out. And each tray that you do, that's what you get paid for. So you didn't get paid by the hour. You got paid for by how hard you work. So I did my best, and I was working, but because my work ethic at the time wasn't so good, we're outside, it's hot, and you guys, if you know me, I like to talk. So I did a whole lot more talking than I did cutting. So at the end of the day, when I went to go turn in my stuff, I got paid according to the work that I did. Now, meantime, there were people that were hand handing in, I mean, stacks of trays and getting paid for them, and I'm walking over with my half tray <laughs> after eight hours, and they're like, we don't pay for half trays. I'm like, I did all this work for nothing? The guy said, you didn't do any work. You stood by and talked. There's a message in there somewhere. So we're workers together, and we'll be working. The problem is with a lot of us is we're really not workers. We're fans of the work. We like what's being done, but we don't want to be a part of it. I like the results of what the work is, but please don't ask me to get my hands dirty. So as the work goes forth, we should be making sure that we are actually a part of the work and not a fan of the work. How many people out here are Dub fans, Warriors fans? Light skin? Steve Curry. I did. You guys know Stephen Curry's an Israelite, right? Because he is real light. All, all my light-skinned fam out there, you can use that one. So no matter what team you're a fan of, anytime your team has won a championship, you don't get a ring. You're a fan. You love watching the game. You love watching them work. You love going to the games. But at the end of the day, when they win a championship, what do you get? Nothing. 
you get to talk about it and find other people that don't have nothing. My team beat your team. So what? What'd you get for it? Nothing. I get to brag about it. it don't matter. Because at the end of the day, you're the same person before they won the championship than you was after they won the championship. You know why you didn't get a ring? Because you weren't on the team. Can I help you out? There's a message in there somewhere. You didn't get a ring because you're not on the team. You're a fan of the work, but you're not participating in the work. Well, you know, I was cheering them on. Their teammates was doing that. See, there's people that are in church or that love God. They're a fan of what God's doing. They're a fan of what the church is doing. They're a fan of what all is happening in church. We're just a fan. And then when the championship comes, guess what? You're not going to get a ring. You're not on the team. Just because you have front row seats right down on the court does not mean you're on the team. The team, the people on the team, there are people that go to practice. There are people that go to meetings. There are people that play in the game. There's coaches and there's coaches and trainers. All these people get rings because they play significant parts. Let me tell you something. How many people know any trainers from any professional team? Exactly. You never see them on TV. You never see them giving interviews. But do you know that they are vital to the support and performance of the team? There's a message in there somewhere. See, so many people in church think that the part of church that we have to do has to be up here on the stage or singing in the choir or, or being an usher. But there are things in this church right here at the Building Christian Fellowship, they are unseen. They're like the trainers of the team. And they make sure that the health and the welfare and the performance of the church is all on their back. Saints of God, there is places for you to serve and work and be on the team in what church? It doesn't matter what church, in any church. If not, you're just a fan. You guys realize that we have a championship team here at the Building Christian Fellowship? Yeah. And we're making it available for every one of you to be on this team, to play a part. But it's up to you today. If you just want to be in the stadium and watch and, 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 and clap when the team's going, that's on you. But if you want to be a part of the team today, the team, the team that you want to be on is called the building. I'm just saying. I know I go here, but this is the best church in Fairfield. The Buffest Church in Fairfield. The best church family. The Building Christian Fellowship, TBCF. Acronym. You'll get that later on. So why? Why do I say it's a building? Because that's all it is. We call it the building because we're building up your faith. We're building up your hope. We're building up your love. And we're building a real relevant relationship with Jesus Christ. We're also helping you Build your mess into a message of hope. If I had time, I'd call people up here right now that when I first met them, the only reason why they came to church because they were looking for help. People come see me and my wife and the elders all the time because their lives are messed up and they want us to fix it. I can't, fix, I, I can't want to fix your relationship more than you. But when you come in saying, I'll do anything to fix my relationship, me, my wife, and the elders point to something. 
It's the Bible. Your relationship will only be as good as your relationship with Christ. You want your relationship to be good? Then get on the team. Because it's like when people are on the team and the team comes first, then their relationship starts to work a little bit better. When you put God first in your life, I can tell you right now, when you and your wife, your husband, you and your job, whatever you're doing, when you start seeking God first, it says all these things shall be added unto you. You don't have to seek for a better relationship when you're seeking God because God says, I'll add it to you, which means as I'm walking, things just, oh, a wife. Y'all laughing, that's, that's almost how it happened. Doing things for God. My wife just, boom. hey, everything I prayed for. Listen, guys, if you're going to be a part of the team, you have to be all in. Your performance will show it. Your performance will show when you're giving, when you're serving, when you're participating, when you're part of the team. It's going to show. It's not in your speech. It's in your actions. Okay, let me get back to under construction. God is working on all of our lives. And when we see somebody else's life in a wreck, please don't be too quick to judge them on their appearance. Just know as messy as their life looks to you, yours looks just as bad to them. Come on, somebody. See, sometimes God allows us to see the wrecks in our own lives so that we don't judge somebody else's life as a wreck. You guys are a hard crowd today. He's like, well, you the one that said we was a mess earlier. I'm still trying to get past that. Listen, as, as I bring this to a close, when God begins to tear down something in your life, he uses the carpenter. What do you mean? Well, we're using carpenters to build up stuff, but Jesus was a carpenter, and it's odd that he was a carpenter because people think that carpenters just build. But before a carpenter can build on anything, he has to start tearing some things down. So God used his son, Jesus Christ, to start tearing things down in our lives so that he could rebuild something else. See, some of us have built some pretty good stuff, and the storms of life haven't hit us yet. We built a nice house Everything's pretty and nice, but I'm telling you, there's a storm a-coming. And when that storm comes and hits that house, I don't care how good you built it, a house is only good as good as the foundation is built upon. You're like, man, I got, I got, look, I got a good house, but I'm going to need to build my house in some place that when the winds blow, that I won't be affected by it because my foundation is firm. The Bible says that, that he was likened unto a man that dug deep upon the rock. Not just on the surface of the rock. It's important that we know this, saints, because some of us are surface Christians. And we say that we've built stuff upon the rock, but we forgot to dig deep. Deep into the rock who is Jesus Christ, to place our foundation. We've been in church all our lives. We have a form of godliness, but we deny the power thereof. The carpenter wants to come in and tear things down. 
God desires to tear a lot of things down in our lives. Will you allow him to start tearing some things in your life today so that he can rebuild it? I'm going to tell you a, a story, and then we're going to pray, and we'll get out of here. There was a man named Jesus Christ that made a statement. He says, if you would tear this temple down, I will rebuild it in three days. Now, as we think of the crucifixion, we always look at him on the cross, but we seem to forget the tearing down that happened before the cross. First, they tore him down because they brought him into a place he didn't deserve to be. Wrongly accused. That's the first tear down. When he was arrested, his friends bailed out on him. That's another tear down. They brought him into court and they spat upon him. The same people that were yelling Hosanna just a week earlier. The same people that were celebrating were the same people that were there tearing him down. They pulled the hair from his face. They beat upon him. They spat upon him, tearing him down. Then they whipped him with a cat and nine tails, tearing the flesh from the bone. The Bible says that he was unrecognizable. All the movies that we see where you could still see who the person is, the Bible says you couldn't even tell who he was. He was so tore down. But he walked with the cross on his back and thorns shoved into his head. And as he walked, people began to mock him. But he kept going because he wasn't finished being tore down. At any moment, he could have quit. He could have gave up. He could have walked away and said, I can heal from this mess, but there'll be lots of scars, but I'll be healed from this. But no, he kept going. And he carried his cross all the way to Golgotha on Calvary, laid upon the cross. And do you know that they laid him wide open, spread him out for everybody to see the mess that he was in? I don't know about you. Is there somebody here today that, that has been beat up by life, has been beat up by bad mistakes, has been beat up by people around you, people have forsaken you, people have left you, they have blamed you for things that you're not even guilty of, but has left your life a mess. And now they placed you almost on a cross to be seen by everybody. The mess that they left you in. They made him a mess. And after they were done with him, they came by just to make things a little bit worse. It stabbed him in his side. I don't know about you, but I, is there anybody ever been stabbed in their side, let alone their back? So you get stabbed in the back usually by people you don't know. But do you get stabbed in the side by people that are walking with you? A mess. They take him down from the cross. A mess. They take him into a borrowed grave. A mess. 
dead, a mess. But three days later, three days later, Jesus Christ rose with a message. He took that mess that everybody tried to play on him and put him in and tore his body down. But three days later, he rose with a message. He rose with a message to all mankind that the same way that they made my life a mess, the same way that they hung me out and displayed me as a criminal, the same way that men mocked me, the same way that they did this to me, they'll do it to you. But I can raise you up. And it's not going to take me three days. I can raise you up in an instant. Thank you for tuning into our podcast today. And if you would like to know more information about our church, please visit thebuildingcf.com or download our app on all major app stores and marketplaces. Once again, thank you and have a blessed day. Thank you.